Let's begin with a word of prayer. Father, um, your words are life. Um, They are a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. And I pray that you would uh, reveal yourself to us as we talk about Scripture, because these aren't just words in a book. These are your very words, and um, they're sharper than any two-edged sword. Um, they, they cut they cut into us, God. So I pray that this would not just be informative, but it would be transformative. I pray that we would love you more as a result of digging deeper into your word, God. So as we talk about the um, authority and clarity of Scripture, I pray that you would open our eyes to what is true. Um, give me the right words. Open our eyes, our ears, our hearts to what you have to reveal to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, um, let me actually put... Actually, copies here. Hey, Anna. And uh, I want to say hello to our friends listening online. Okay, so we've this is our final class in our scripture series. So we've been talking about the truth and authority of scripture. Our first class was about the um, the um, the 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 inspiration of scripture. Um, that the word that scripture are the very words of God um, from the spirits, God breathed words. We talked about how God's words are an extension of Himself. God's words are the way that the ways in which He acts. Um, last week we talked about the necessity of scripture, the sufficiency of scripture, and today we're going to talk about the authority and clarity of scripture. So, um, my objective over the next 40, 45 minutes is for us to come to an understanding of not just what these things are, but for us to have um, a, a deeper reverence for the word, um, for us to understand that uh, these are words of an infinite God, and uh, they have something to say to who we are as human beings, and we can believe that, and um, even though God is infinite, we can still understand him as the Spirit reveals, so that's the clarity of Scripture. So. We're going to hit first the authority of Scripture. Um, second, we'll hit the clarity of Scripture. So, we've been using the Westminster Confession of Faith um, in the very first section of the Westminster Confession of Faith. It talks about Scripture, and um, this is what we what we base everything on. If it doesn't align with Scripture, we're not going to do it um, by the grace of God. So, let me read to you from the Westminster Confession of Faith. It's it's an explanation of the authority of Scripture. The authority of the Holy Scripture, for which it ought to be believed and obeyed, depends not upon the testimony of any man or church, but wholly upon God, who is truth himself, truth itself, the author thereof. And therefore, it is to be received because it is the word of God. The uh, authority of Scripture is this, that, that this has uh, final authority over everything that we are going to do as a church. It has authority over what we... What we um, how we live, and uh, if you think about a, there, there's this might be kind of a crass example, but um, South Park is uh, there, there's a character um, by the name of um, Cartman, and uh, he sometimes plays this cop, and uh, one of his taglines is uh, uh, "Respect my authority, respect my authority," and um, the uh, we, we have a police officer here. There, certain titles, certain officers are are or certain offices are given. Um, authority, meaning that they have say over what happens. And when we talk about the authority of Scripture, we're saying that Scripture has final say over what happens over our lives, um, in our church, over this, in this world. And 
it's that way because God is supreme, God is ultimate, God has ultimate authority over everything. If you remember Romans 9, it says, um, at the end of the day, um, how can you say that God is right or wrong? Um, it's because God is God, and we're not, and He is the potter, we are the clay. God is ultimately going to do whatever He wants, um, and our what we can do is we can submit to that. And He's not a dictator, He's not a uh, malevolent um, tyrant. Uh, he is a good God, and um, even if He weren't a good God, the, by virtue of the fact that He's God, means that we have to, uh, just by def definition, we are under Him. Um, but thank God that He's not like that. So when we read the words of from the Bible, um, we are submitting to something good and beautiful and true, and one that is ultimately for our good. So I'm going to go through uh, a few points under this. Uh, and this, the first point is something that we actually covered in more detail in our first class. But uh, the point is this, that the scriptures are the actual words of God. And we went through 2 Timothy 3, uh, both the first class and the second class. But let me read it again and give a little bit of explanation um, for this specific point. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So... We talked about this Greek word, theonoustos, the first week, which means God breathed. It means that the very breath of God, the scriptures are the very breath of God. So, not just an explanation of God, but the very breath of God. Um, so, the, script, the scriptures are the actual words of God. First um, Thessalonians 2, and we also thank God constantly for this, that when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God which is at work in you believers. So here is Paul writing to the Thessalonian church. And um, the uh, for those listening online, there's a little conflict happening a few feet from us, <laughs> if you hear any voices in the background. Um, so Paul is speaking to the Thessalonian believers. He says, um, the the... the when you receive the word of God, it wasn't the word of men. It was the actual word of God. The word of God is at work in you believers. So Paul is saying um, the things that you've heard, um, not merely the teaching of man. This is teaching from, directly from the Lord. First John 5, 9. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that, has born, that he has born concerning his Son. So again, two levels. There are um, teachers like me. There are people that will speak of, of things uh, transcendent. Um, but ultimately, these are the, uh, the testimony of men. But here, in First John, we're being told that the testimony of God is greater. Whatever God says, whatever God decides, that is always going to supersede what man is going to say. And in Second Peter 1, For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So, um, a kind of uh, rep repetition of what we talked about the first week, which is that the people that wrote this book, um, all 66 books, they were directed by the Holy Spirit. They, they, the Holy Spirit worked through them. It didn't strip them of their personality, of their unique writing styles, or their uh, what, whatever made them uh, who they were. Uh, but, but the Holy Spirit prepared these men uh, over the 
course of their lives to write exactly what God wanted in the scriptures. So our first point is this. The scriptures are the actual words of God. Um, number two, um, and this is a big point right here. Just, we have two really simple passages, or a uh, simple point in these two passages, but let me read them and then I'll explain more. Uh, God never lies, Titus 1, Hebrews 6. It is impossible for God to lie. We, have, we who have fled from refuge might have a strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. So, I spoke earlier of the fact that when we submit to the scriptures, we're submitting to something good. We're submitting to something that is ultimately for our benefit. When the writer of Hebrews says this, that we have a strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us, when you submit to the authority of the scriptures, you are saying, I'm placing my hope in the fact that God cannot lie, that God is good. Scripture reflects the character of God. So if the scriptures tell me to do something I don't want to do, I have to believe that God is good. I have to believe that he will never do me wrong. And all the promises in the scriptures for my good, the, uh, uh, how, how it talks about through the entirety of my life, there is not one second in which God is not sovereign over it. Um, we're submitting to the fact that that's true and that the God who speaks in the scriptures is for us. So scriptures reflect the character of God. Um, very similar point in Proverbs 35. Uh, this, this point is this, every word of scripture is true. Proverbs 35, every word of God proves true. He's a shield to those who take refuge in him. And in Psalm 119, forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heaven. Which is that... Um, the reality that we, we experience, um, the reality that we see with our eyes, um, the Word of God is mixed, is, is part of that. Um, and uh, all of reality is defined by what God speaks. Um, so every word in Scripture is true. That means that the proper way to live our lives is in accordance to the Word. So that means that it's nonsense to not obey what the Lord says. It's nonsense to not submit to the realities that God has put before us. So every word of Scripture is true. And then uh, let, let's turn the page. Uh, actually, that, that, that's the clarity of Scripture. So um, the authority of Scripture, I'm spending a little bit less time on this particular point because a lot of it was, uh, some, a lot of the contents under this uh, fall under what I taught in the first class. But the point of this, of the authority of Scripture is this, which is, um, we all have a certain type of um, understanding of how we should live. And this, is, this comes about by uh, primarily how we were raised as kids. So whether it was your parents that raised you or some other um, caretaker, um, they set for us boundaries and they set for us expectations and rules, or maybe they didn't at all, and we somehow found our way to wherever we are now. Um, but this, these were authority figures that defined how we live. It, it shaped the way that we think about people and about um, work and about relationships and about uh, fill in the blank. And when we talk about the authority scripture, is uh, we're saying that the authority is a teacher. The, the scriptures are um, teaching us how to exist, how to be human beings. Um, it should inform what we do as a ministry, as a church. And ultimately, um, because God is true, um, because He never lies, because He has defined reality, um, we, we can submit to that 
and um, it doesn't make sense to not submit to the authority of scripture. Otherwise, you're going to submit to some other type of writing or some other type of teaching. So, um, this is, I've, I've said this the past two classes, um, we'll continue to say it as we go on through, through church, which is, um, you, can't, you can't pick and choose what you want to be true. Um, that's the way that a lot of the world works right now. That's a very appealing way of thinking. Um, there are certain things in the Bible that I don't like. I don't like what the Bible teaches about sexual ethics. I dislike that. I dislike what the Bible teaches about the role of the way that things are ordered um, in terms of gender in the church. I don't personally like it, but it's my job to dissect it and pick it apart and to, uh, and to find some way to make it say something that I, in a way that I agree with. Um, it's not. Um, everyone has a certain way of life that they want to pursue. Um, and you can't use a Bible to, you can't pick it apart and say, okay, this is what I wanted to say. Um, even I, as a, as a pastor, there are things I say sometimes that I just don't like, but because it's true, I have to say it. And that's the job of every, <laughs> everyone that teaches the Bible. It's a job of believers, which is to say, man, my, the final authority is not me. The final authority is not my opinion, my preferences. The final authority is the Word of God. This gives me something true and objective to, to live by and it's our job to um, submit to it to understand it so um, that's my, our first uh, portion of the class which is the authority of scripture any questions comments all right yes Dirk yeah I can personally agree with that but I do run into a problem with my non-believing friends who point to genocide in the Old Testament as being condoned by God. Yeah. I, you know, I don't have a good answer, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, the, uh, for those listening online, uh, the question was, um, there, are, there are some people that have, have a problem understanding certain elements of Scripture. For example, genocide. And um, so actually, genocide, we're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks. Pastor John is going to speak on that passage in Deuteronomy. So that's specifically, but um, there are a lot of things in the Bible that, um, not just genocide, but um, some really um, things that are difficult for us to understand, and um, how, how do we make sense of those? So we can look at it from uh, the apologetic aspect, which is, uh, like, how do you explain, like, certain aspects of the Bible? Um, and we can also... Um, I think a lot of it comes down to, and we'll talk about this in the next point, which is the clarity of scripture. Um, do we come to approach the scriptures with a humility and with an openness in in uh, in listening to what God is saying, um, and what does it say about God, and uh, how am I to respond? Um, and this this actually let me let me use this as a jumping uh, jumping off point for. A question that was raised in the first class, which was, um, it seems when we talk about the Bible being authoritative, um, or when we talk about the Bible being inspired by God, isn't it a little bit, isn't it circular reasoning to say, well, because the Bible says it's true, it's true? Um, let me let me kind of address that. I'm not a I'm not a uh, philosopher, but um, let me address kind of the, the basics of understanding that aspect. So. Um, 
when we when we question whether we can believe that the Bible is true, um, on, on what do we base that question? Or, or what, what do we? What is the authority that we appeal to? And um, we could we could look at uh, several things. We can look at the truthfulness of Scripture. We can look at how over the centuries we've seen um, the prophecies be fulfilled. We can talk about the internal testimony. We can talk about the uh, internal unity of the Bible. That how how was it, how is it possible that over 3,500 years um, all the authors of the of the Bible, uh, the majority of whom had never even heard of each other or met, somehow there is a running theme in the Bible that just it connects and makes sense. It um, there, there there are no points of contradiction. Um, uh, how how is it possible that um, the Bible ha- is able to uh, transform lives? There's this uh, experiential aspect. How is it that um, just words on a paper can utterly transform not just individual lives but of generations and can alter history? Um, how is it possible that that uh, the words of this book have maintained their integrity and is still relevant since the, since it was since uh, it was first introduced to humanity? Um, we, we can talk, talk about it like that. Um, so how do you know the Bible is true? Um, um, and ultimately, I think it comes down to this, which is, and this will move on to our next point, which is that you, at the end of the day, you have to appeal to some type of authority. And um, what is that authority going to be? Is it going to be you who has lived for about 40, 50, 60 years in the grand scheme of history? You're not even a speck. Um, on the timeline, yeah, like you're, you're like, like one one hundredth of a speck, um, and you can't appeal to your own intelligence. Um, you can't appeal to history either, um, even though there's much to be learned from history. Um, what are you going to appeal to 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 understand that the Bible is the authoritative word of God? Um, it has to be something outside of ourselves. It has to be something outside of our thinking, um, and. W- we believe that it's it's the it's um, the scriptures. We believe that it's God speaking to us, um, because only uh, only He is big enough to to um, to present us uh, the words of Scripture. And um, I've, I've heard this uh, I've heard this said before. You might have heard this as well, which is uh, if you can understand a God that you worship, if you can fully grasp and understand Him, um, it's probably not a He's probably not a God wor- worth worshiping, because hopefully the God that you worship is so much bigger than your imagination, um, and He is. Uh, we believe the God of the Bible is. So um, the next point will speak a little bit to that. Just uh, isn't it circular reasoning to circular logic to say the Bible says it's true, therefore it's true? Um, but um, we'll talk a bit. Of, we'll touch upon this more in the next points. Anything else about the authority of Scripture before we move on? Yes, Christy. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, for example, one of them is, uh, and you know, some of them are very minor, right? Like, for example, Jesus said Peter would deny him three times before the cross crows once in one of the Gospels and before the cross crows once in twice in another. Yeah. So, um, so, like, um, when we talk about, like, authority or, like, the, the the Bible is the very word of God. Um, is it more like 
Yeah, the actual like, literal words. So the question is, um, there are discrepancies that we see in the Bible. We, actually, there are uh, actually a number of discrepancies that we see in the Bible, where um, in the Gospels, because these were four dif- different authors, their perspectives of the events were different. And um, uh, the, the question is, were, were they contradictory? And um, there are, um, this is where I would uh, um, point us to the field of, of apologetics, where they... Um, there are explanations um, which uh, and uh, I like um, let me uh, uh, I'll just speak on a general basis I don't like I can't speak to every single um, single point but uh, um, there the the, uh, speaking specifically of the Gospels um, so these are different authors who have different perspectives and um one, one thing to keep in mind is every one of these gospels had different pur- different purposes, different audiences, and um, so the, the the perspective from which they see the events might be a little bit different. Um, so, for example, we see in, in the genealogies um, they're they're different, and it's because one of the the, the audiences were different, and the overall message of uh, each particular gospel was different based on the audience. So there's going to be some um, some some differences that we see. The discrepancies, um, I'll have to just say that I, don't, I can't speak of the, to them specifically right now, but uh, there are good apologetics books that, that, that um, will address those. But yeah, that, that's a good point. Some people say, because I, I see these little, um, uh, con- in, in their eyes, contradictions or discrepancies, doesn't that kind of undermine everything? Like, how can you, how can God say that He is He doesn't lie and His word is true, and yet we see these things that there's there seems to be some inconsistencies in them. Um, right. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I, I would say this, that um, so people have kind of picked apart the Bible over the years and there's a whole lot of things that they can bring up, but um, even, if, even if you were to take the whole weight of, of all the, their arguments, um, it doesn't affect the overall message and purpose of the Bible. Um, none of the, none of the uh, pillars of the Christian faith are threatened by, by these um, and a lot of research has been done over the centuries, and um, I think that they c- the explanations can be satisfactory to a lot of people. But yeah, this is a this is a big big top big uh, topic in the field of apologetics. Thanks, Christy. Anything else before we move on? All right, let's move on to the cl- the clarity of scripture. Let me read this from Mark Thompson. The doctrine of clarity or perspe- perspicuity of Scripture affirms that in His Word God has spoken so as to be understood. Scripture is understandable. God has spoken in His Word with sufficient clarity so as to be understood, believed, and obeyed. And from the Westminster Confession of Faith, all things in Scripture are not alike plain in themselves, nor alike clear unto all. Yet those things which are necessary to be known, believed, and observed for salvation are so clearly propounded and opened in some place of Scripture or another that not only the learned, but the unlearned in the due use of the ordinary means may attain unto a sufficient understanding of them. Um, there's a lot in there, so I'll uh, hopefully touch upon all these elements. Um, the clarity of Scripture means this. 
that we can understand what God meant when he wrote the Bible, when he, when he gave us the Bible, that it's not some, um, some secret code book to be, uh, to be picked apart. You don't need um, algorithms and artificial intelligence, and you don't need a team of scholars to come together and explain um, the, the, the central message of the Bible so um, that means it's good news for us because it means that we can understand what God wants us to understand and the basis of this is this that the scriptures testify of the infinite God so I use this passage um, Isaiah 55 in our first class but I'm going to use it again and approach it from a different angle so um, as we read through Isaiah 55 think about what God is saying about who he is and just how completely other he is for my thoughts are not your thoughts neither are your ways my ways declares the Lord for as the heavens are higher than the earth so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts here God is saying um, you don't even come remotely close to the type of being that I am and the way that I think cannot be understood because how can finite creatures understand the infinite. Um, if you have looked at pictures of space, um, this is some, an example that people use all the time, which is we have 13, over the course of uh, ast- astronomy, we've observed 13.6 billion light years of space, and, um, and that is unimaginably huge. And this is just what we know. It's the, as, as far as we know, um, the universe is, goes way beyond what we would, would ever be able to, to observe. Um, and God is saying, these are, and there's a, this amazing um, verse in Job which says, these are but the fringes. These are but the fringes. What I, this is what I do with my fingertips. Um, God is even bigger than that. And He's saying to us, man, you guys have no idea. You guys have no idea what it is that I'm thinking and all the ways in which I'm weaving all the elements of history together. And you have no idea how I'm using every single detail aspect of your life to do something with your life and how can we say that we know what's happening in our lives so that's what um, the Lord is saying in verses 8 and 9 but there's a kind of a shift here verse 10 for as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there but water the earth making it bring forth and sprout giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth it shall not return to me empty but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. So God is saying, you cannot understand an infinite God and yet I will speak of who I am so that you can understand. Um, Isn't that amazing? This is the basis of the clarity of Scripture, which is, um, if God did not speak and He was under no obligation to reveal Himself to human beings, um, if God did not speak, then we could be left here and we would live our lives and we'd perish and we'd have an eternity without God, um, without the presence of God. But God is gracious in revealing himself to us. Um, and uh, so this is, a, this is the point. Basis, this basis is that we can know the infinite God. And in Second Peter, uh, we, we looked at part of this um, passage last week. We have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. 
knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from anyone's interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So, um, this is again saying that God wanted us to know something through prophecy, through Scripture, through um, what was spoken um, by men. Um, and uh, this, this also goes along with our earlier point, which is the authority of Scripture, and uh, that the Word of God was written by men who were carried by the Holy Spirit. So, um, God is God wants us to know, and um, and it, this, all these things that we hear on Sundays, these things that we read in the Bible, its, th- th- its origins were not in man, but in what God wanted. Um, second point is this, Scripture can be understood by all. So, uh, in probably uh, several months, we're going to hit Deuteronomy 6 in our sermon series, and we're going to hit this passage. It says this, And these words that I command you today shall be on your hearts. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. Um, so God gave the Israelites scripture. He gave them instructions. And He gave these to adults, but then He gave the adults a responsibility He's saying, if you have children, um, I want you to teach your children these things. Um, these things that I taught you, um, teach them diligently to your children um, when you're at home. And there's, and uh, the, the point here is this, that um, what we as adults, um, as uh, people that have maybe have college degrees or advanced degrees, people who are well-educated, um, it's going to take us a whole lifetime to understand what is being taught in the scriptures. Not even that. Um, we need uh, infinite lifetimes to understand. And yet, it's the Bible was written in a way that can be understood by children as well. And this is um, the point here, which is you don't need uh, a certain level of education to understand what God is saying through His Word. That's not to say that there aren't difficult passages in the Bible that need to be picked apart and studied over the course of years and decades. But um, the, the very basics of what God wants us to know, um, we can know them. Um, and this is implied by this passage in Deuteronomy. Teach them to your children. Teach them to your three-year-olds. Teach them to your, uh, your, your kid who who's a, who's, would rather just watch things on YouTube. Um, teach Scripture to them because they can understand. They can understand. It's going to sink into their hearts. Um, and then uh, we have this from Psalm 119. The unfolding of your word, words give light. It imparts understanding to the simple. So even to the simple, um, even though, even to... Um, like I, like I, I consider myself a simple person. Um, there are many people that are much smarter than I am and know a lot more about everything than I, than I do. Um, but even for a simpleton like me, um, I can understand what scripture is saying not because I'm smart or clever but because God has written the scriptures in a way that can be understood um, questions before we move on alright yes Dirk the concept that you just identified I was looking for scriptural support for it you may have found it in Psalm. 78. Um, it addresses the matter of parables. Mm-hmm. His disciples brought the matter of parables up to Jesus. And in uh, Luke 8, uh, he, he uh, 
says that knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God have been given to you. But to others I speak in parables, so that though seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. So, Jesus speaks in his parables. There are, when the word falls on the ground, um, some, some take hold of it, and there grows a, a, a solid plant. Um, others, it, it sprouts up for a little bit, and then it, it dies away. Others, the word falls on them, and there's no effect. And um, this talks about the moral and tra- spiritual transformation of the listener. And um, this is, um, and let me, let me uh, kind of use that as a jumping off point. The, uh, when, I, when I was in, in, in uh, college, I took a humanities course, and then they, we, we, this was a non-Christian school, I went to San Jose State, and they, they spent a good amount of time talking about the Bible and how consequential the Bible was for Western civilization. And um, we read, we were, were required to buy a Bible at San Jose State, and we were required to read it. Um, and we had lecturers talk to us about the Bible, um, but they weren't Christian. And I remember one of the one of the uh, lecture, lecturers. He was um, definitely a guy on with a chip on his shoulder. He was an an expert in the Old Testament. Um, he was a uh, he was a non practicing Jew, and um, and uh, he was told us like historically this is what the Bible is. Um, this is what what the Bible teaches. This is how it's shaped Western civilization. Um, but he said ultimately um, it's it's you know um, it's not it's not the word of God. And um, there are a whole lot of people like that, and um, I think it's great that you know that we were required to read the Bible in a secular school um, because I think the Lord is going to do something through His Word. But something must happen um, outside of ourselves for it to take root, like like Dirk, men- Dirk mentioned, um, and it's uh, it's the, the illum- illumination of the Spirit. And Dirk brought up what Jesus said when He says. Uh, when he speaks parables and then it's really frustrating because people tell Jesus Jesus what were you trying to say in your parables and Jesus does not go into a three point sermon explaining this is exactly what I meant and these are the implications for your life Jesus said um, if you understand you understand if you don't understand you don't understand and he walks away isn't that so frustrating of Jesus um, and the point is this there, there are things that we need to hear that's that, that's they have to be explained and pressed into our hearts by the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, did you have a comment, sir? Uh, yeah, not entirely. Case Jesus, when his disciples asked him, I mean, it was clear they weren't getting it. He did explain. Yeah. So he yeah he he didn't just put it out there and say go figure it out. Right. So this is um, the the comment was Jesus uh, did explain to his disciples, uh, but he spoke to a larger crowd um, often um, who would hear his words, and they were they did not get the explanation. Um, so uh, that that's a good point though. Jesus Jesus did not just leave them completely in the dark. He, he explained them, um, but uh, but not not for everyone. And this is. Um, uh, so, so how is it that we can understand what it is that Jesus wants us to hear? And, and, and it's this, it's um, the illumination of the Spirit. So Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to, those, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. So it, it's not your, 
your brain power. Um, it's not your grasp of the cultural and historical and um, and uh, all the background of, of from which these things were written. Um, it's is God going to give you the insight through His Holy Spirit to understand what's being written? First um, Corinthians two: The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for they are folly to him and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So, the Bible is ultimately a spiritual book um, given to us by a spiritual God and it's to be understood on a spiritual level. Um, and this is why the it's so important for us to submit to what God is doing. It's so important for us to um, be, it, be submissive to the Holy Spirit. Um, and uh, we can understand what's on, on some levels, everything that the Bible says. On another level, uh, on a level in which we're changed, in a, in a, on a level in which um, churches are, are changed and transformed and used for the glory of God, it has to be on a spiritual level. Um, it's a spirit that's going to convict us of sin. Um, when the Bible speaks, tells us to stop doing something, we could stop doing it for a little while, but if you want that to be sustained and if you want that to be done with joy um, and in, in a way that blesses others, it, the spirit has to work in your life. Um, and uh, so the spirit applies what is true um, not just it doesn't just op- it doesn't doesn't just help us understand uh, intellectually what what it's saying but spiritually um, what it is that God wants to say to us questions comments we look at our time okay so this this is how we can this is how we can um, come to fully understand what God wants us to say. And this goes back to the earlier point which I had, had which is, um, doesn't it, isn't it kind of circular logic to say that the Bible is true because the Bible says it's true? Um, and this is one of the final pieces in our understanding of that, of that problem, which is, um, ultimately the Spirit is going to reveal to you what is true. And... Um, we can look at the Bible and say it makes sense on all these different levels. Um, is it going to make sense in a way that resonates with me and in a way that takes grip of my heart and changes me and makes me want to live for something um, outside myself? Um, that requires the work of the spirits. Okay, uh, let me move on and uh, just talk about how it is that we can understand Scripture. Uh, so these next few points they're going to be pretty pretty simple. Um, there's a lot of verses and points I have here, but uh, I'm going to kind of go through them um, and understand how it is that we should approach Scripture. So um, hopefully we have a desire to read the Scriptures. Hopefully we have a desire to understand what God is saying through them, and hopefully we can we want to understand them so that we can teach others. As IGC, our mission is to make disciples and to help others make disciples. And it's going to begin with this. Actually, um, let me recommend a book to you, One-to-One Bible Reading. Um, this is a book that Elder David has recommended over and over and over. Um, it just helps us think through, how, how do I study the Bible for myself, and how can I help others uh, study the Bible, and how can we do it together? So the title of the book is One-to-One Bible Reading. Um, we have a responsibility to read and listen to and submit to scriptures so John 7 if anyone's will to do God's will he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I am speaking on my own authority this is Jesus speaking he says um, if you want to know uh, if you want to know uh, what God wants for you you need to be ready to submit to it um, 
Luke 24, And he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? So, Jesus is saying, um, You've read what the prophets said, and your heart was slow to receive what the prophets said. You're foolish because even though you read the scriptures, you didn't, you weren't discerning. You didn't take the time to think through what was being said. It's your responsibility to read and to digest and ruminate over the things that you read and ask the Spirit to reveal to you what, you, what it is that He wants to say. Um, James 1.5 God doesn't leave us to our own. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given. Um, we can ask God to help us understand. Um, we are not wise. We, we, we're wise in our own eyes. That's what Proverbs says. Um, we don't have to be wise in our own eyes. We can have genuine, true, godly wisdom that comes from above. Uh, this helps us read and discern the scriptures. And it needs to be done well. This is our next point. Reading and interpreting scripture needs to be done well. Um, 2 Peter 3, And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him. So Paul was written, wrote, wrote um, with wisdom that God gave him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in which, there are some things in them that are hard to understand, which are the ignorant and unable, unstable twists to their own destruction, as they do other scriptures. So here we get this acknowledgement that there are some passages of scripture that are difficult to understand, and um, there are actually a ton of passages of scripture that are difficult to understand, and this is why we have commentaries, and this is why over the Several, past several hundred years, um, tens of thousands, perhaps hundreds of thousands of books have been written um, explaining just small parts of, of Scripture um, and what they mean. Um, so Scripture is written so that the, a, a child can understand them, but um, it's also so rich and nuanced and, and complex that it would take um, adults their entire lives to understand them. So um, we get this acknowledgement in Second Peter. Um, and it needs to be done well. So some people they can twist the scriptures to fit what they want it to say. Um, so I can just, we can I can list off a bunch of pastors and people on the internet. Uh, you might have heard heard of them, um, seen their books in the bookstores, um, twisting scripture and abusing what scripture says. Um, and this is who who these people are spoken of in Second Peter. Um, Hebrews 5, about this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. So, here, the writer, writer of Hebrews is saying, um, when you are starting out in your faith, you need the teachers to teach you. Um, but uh, you, but at, even at this point, um, you're still relying on people to explain to you what's being said in the scriptures. So what's the writer of Hebrews saying? He's saying that you can't just sit there and absorb the words and expect it to change you. You need to be thoughtful about it. You need to study the scriptures for yourself. Don't rely on the pastors. Don't rely on that person on, po on the podcast. You need to dig into scriptures yourself because you've been given the scriptures, you've been given the Holy Spirit to hear and to read and to discern what's being taught. Um, this goes against... Uh, a lot of what was going on in the Middle Ages. Um, in the Middle Ages, the Catholic Church taught that you had to be
be um, well learned. You had to know Latin. You had to you had to submit to the teachings of the Catholic Church uh, because they were the ones that told you what was true in the Bible. Um, but the reformers came along and they emphasized this point, which is that you don't need those things. You have the scriptures are clear. Um, you have the Holy Spirit. You can understand what is being taught. You don't have to know Latin. And especially for those of us in this day and age, we have no excuse because we have so many resources available to us um, for free. All you need to do is pull your phone out and you can find out all these amazing things. So, um, we can understand scripture. Um, and then just a couple things um, in terms of the technical aspects of looking at scripture. If you turn to the last page, we talk about the uh, study of scripture there are two main ways in which you approach understanding the Bible number one is hermeneutics which is the study of correct methods of interpretation so the question here is how can I correctly interpret scripture how can I know what's being said what's the approach that I need to take and it, this is a um, the big overall the, the overall way in which we approach scripture so for us as a PCA church we're going to look at the scripture through a, a covenantal lens or, um, a, a, or a, a, a redemptive lens. What is God saying throughout all of scripture? Um, and how does he wor- work with his people? And what are, the, uh, what are the covenants that God has made with his people to bring us to where we are? And uh, how does this inform what we understand about ultimately the person of Jesus? Um, so that's the hermeneutical aspect of approaching scripture and um, this is something that maybe in in time we can have entire Sunday school lessons on, but um, let me just throw this word out there for you, hermeneutics. Um, the second is this, exegesis, which is the process of interpreting a text of Scripture. Um, so when, when the pastors put together a sermon, we look at uh, the background of what's being written. We look at, sometimes we'll look at the original languages, we'll look at what's happening culturally, we'll look at... The, the author, um, what was his intended audience, and the questions we ask, the, the, the questions we always ask when we're looking at scripture is this, what did God mean to communicate to us through the text? What does God want us to know through the text? And, and what was the author, the human author's original intent, intent? So we need to take into consideration, um, what did this person hear from the Lord? Um, what did he want his, uh, his intended audience to understand? So this is a process, process of exegesis. Um, we do this every week. The pastors uh, do this every week when we approach the scriptures to prepare the sermons. So um, these things are available to us as well. You don't need to go to seminary to uh, have these tools in your belt. So hopefully in time we can uh, provide some of these things for you. But you can also go to websites. Uh, I would recommend Ligonier.org. Um, that's an amazing resource. Um, and uh, begin there. Um, so finally, let me end this, uh, this Sunday School series with the, these uh, seven points, which were taken from Stephen Nichols. Uh, he's a professor. How to read Scripture, how to read the Word. Uh, number one, read the Word reverently. So understand that you are a creature approaching the words of his Creator, and we should have a fear and respect when we approach Scripture. Um, we don't open it up like we do the, the newspaper. Um, we need to be understand that these are the very words of God. And um, if you remember in when, when God uh, spoke to Moses, it was a uh, burning bush. Um, approach it like a burning bush because this is, God is going to meet you here in His Word. Read the Word prayerfully. Um, when you read the Word, this is a 
uh, it's you're, commu- you're communing with God. You're talking to your Creator. Uh, read the word collectively. So um, I, I, we can say this as Presbyterians, which is uh, we're not on this journey alone. We should read the word with others because they help us understand what the word is saying through their own unique perspectives. They can challenge our interpretation of the scriptures. They can rebuke us if our interpretation of scripture is wrong. But we should read this with other believers in the church. We can uh, talk to our people outside our church um, because they can understand the word as well. Um, number three, um, read the word humbly. Um, don't assume. Don't go into the the word thinking that you already know what's being taught. Um, Sometimes we, we read scripture and we think it says something because that's what we expect it to say. Um, but if we sit there and we just say, God, teach me, teach me what you want me to, to learn, um, and sit there for five minutes or ten minutes or half an hour, and um, maybe we'll hear something, maybe we'll learn something. Um, read the word carefully. So this is, don't be reckless when you read it. Um, don't, don't try to read your own interpretation into it. Um, try to understand... The, the background of it. Um, read the word Christologically. Um, Genesis to Revelation speaks of Jesus. So we can find um, echoes or reverberations or shadows or foreshadowing of Jesus in every book of the Bible. Um, Jesus is the ultimate point of the scriptures. And finally, read the word obediently. So we should read the word with the intent of submitting to it. We should read the word with the intent of obeying God. Um, otherwise, we are. Uh, it's not going to do us any good. We're not going to be changed. Um, so that's it. The, the clarity of scripture. Any questions or comments? What was the name of the guy that, with the, the, this last name? Uh, the, the person who came up with these seven points, Stephen Nichols. Yeah. Uh, did you have a question? Uh, yeah, uh, the question was, uh, are there any other principles, of prin- uh, hermeneutical principles, which IGC um, holds to? I don't, we, we haven't, like, uh, sat down and defined them, uh, at least in terms of, like, in the light of hermeneutics, but um, we have our, our, our beliefs outlined in the Westminster Standards, and um, uh, I, I would say that we would call ourselves um, covenant theologians, uh, covenant theologians, and um, we, we look... Principally through the lens of covenants, that um, in the very beginning God made a covenant with man, and um, we have several covenants that are listed in in the scriptures, um, and in Hebrews we, it speaks of this new covenant that we have that we relate to God with. So this, um, when we talk about covenant, it's ultimately not about what God wants us to know, but about who God wants us to know. Um, one of the great promises of God is that He will be our God, we will be His people and we will live in His presence. So we were created to live in the presence of God. That presence was um, broken, or that relationship was broken in Genesis 3, the fall. And the rest of the story of the Bible is God working in these promises to restore that, that, that promise so that we could live as His people in His presence. Alright, let me close in prayer, and if you have any more questions, you can ask me later. Uh, God, thank you for your word. I pray that you would give us a love for your word. I pray that we would always be obedient to it, God, uh, because you're speaking through it. Um, if you're God, we're not. Um, there's no real argument, and yet you allow us to kick and scream, but ultimately, um, you will, in your 
gracious love to feed us so that we can fall into uh, the arms of the one who loves us and speaks to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.